the first episode of our podcast on story. Mm. Um, I don't think we even came up with a name with a name for it yet. Mm-mm. It's um, okay. It's okay. I like get to the point podcast because I imagine it's what a lot of people will be saying if they listen to us. Mm-hmm. They'll be saying, "Get to the All point." Right, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our purpose here is to talk about stories and why stories are important mm-hmm. and talk about what we talk about when we talk about stories. Um, have you seen that movie Birdman? Birdman, yes. Amazing. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah. Is that, that was uh, a really oh, weird. Yeah. All Okay, there's one, there's one cut in the entire movie, but it's all supposed to be one camera, um, one scene. Right, yeah. Uh, so it's like they follow him, and then the camera moves. Like the, never, the camera never turns off, except for that one part where he passes out. Um, but I just thought that was is that <coughs> Michael Keaton? Yes, Michael Sorry. Keaton. Yeah, um, love that movie. Love that movie. But the play that they are doing in that movie is what we talk about when we talk about love. I think is that what it's called? Do you remember? I don't remember. The- Oh, the play? Yeah, the, the, movie? the actual oh, gotcha. play in the movie. Oh, I don't remember what the movie was called, or the play was called. Maybe. See, that can be what this iPad is for. It's for yeah, fact-checking. Um, anyways, I think that's a really good segue, because we're talking about what we talk about when we talk about story. I think Birdman is all about this guy who, uh, well, obviously, I, I think the movie basically punches you in the face with this. It's this guy who's had this story for so long. He's gotten famous on these, you know, quote-unquote silly superhero movies, and now he wants to make a real name for himself and become a real actor. And that's, you know, he's he wants to change his story, basically. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's that's a really, really cool thing to think about. Yeah, so, it's cool. Like, yeah, like from the, branching off of that, like how much of our identity is embedded in story. We were listening to uh, a, a video uh, earlier of, a man named Leonard Sweet, uh, who I actually plan on studying under eventually, but you know, just gonna just gonna throw that one out there. Just a little plug. Just a little plug. Leonard, uh, if you're listening, <laughs> JJ is very excited. I'm excited. Very loyal. Very. And and if he ever shows this podcast as part of his resume to get in, then uh, no, this is all for you. There we go. <laughs> no, but it's true. Like all like a lot of our identity is embedded in our story. Uh, I mean we. We don't know who we are without our without our story. So we just look back and see where we've come today, and it's just a cool thing to reflect on. Yeah, that's what I like about stories is just the reflection aspect of the story itself, and just being able to like you know somebody's telling their story like oh well that's that's where you came from like that's mm-hmm. why you are the way you are today or you know it's like oh, it's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a good place to start is why each of us are here mm-hmm. and and why we care about stories. Um, Clayton, you can feel free to chime in if you decide you care about stories or not, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'll cut that out. So for me, I think stories became powerful when they clicked for me that the Bible taught us things in stories. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's not a coincidence that Jesus taught in parables because it is not impossible to convey ideas, complex ideas, without story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's so cool that when Jesus teaches 
he just tells a story and you know oh well who's going to be the first in the kingdom well let me tell you a story about that or um you know who is gonna who's my neighbor when the the scribe or whoever asks jesus well then who is my neighbor and and jesus responds with a story just because he can tell in you know a 10 minute story an idea so complex that it draws on you know hundreds of thousands or thousands of years of history and at the same time you know explain something that even a child could understand right and in fact i remember when i was in principles of family living peter buckland would always say that the way that you teach a child um the things not to do is you tell them story times at night mm-hmm. and you tell them a story and he would always say like silly stories like oh there was once a, a boy named billy and billy pulled cereal off of the shelf at Walmart while his parents were walking through and then his arms fell off. I mean, it was something crazy like that. <laughs> but but the child learned a lesson through the story that the next day when they went to Walmart and the kid starts to reach for the cereal, the parents would just say, remember what happened to Billy? And the child would learn, like, is learning things through the story. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know, it's just, it's really beautiful, I think, that, like, God desires to be known and yet is it's infinite and so how does he present himself to us in story and i think the incarnation is a story it's the story of god's love christ is the story of god's love Mm -hmm. because how do we know that god loved us well because jesus came and died for us and how do we know that we'll have new life because jesus was rose from the dead because we put ourselves in Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's just, that stuff's just like so cool to me because um, it's like stories are a, a translation um, from something bigger to something simpler. Right. And again, yeah, they're multidimensional, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like all of these parables that we've had for two thousand years now, and we're no sooner to understanding all of the intricacies yeah. and complexities of them. I mean, I what I would be interested to find out is like. A thousand years down the road, how is someone else going to interpret the parable of the sower that we don't interpret it? You know, we were talking about that last week, that the parable of the sower has a lot of concepts in it that are just second nature for its first century audience. Right. But for us, is like, well, this guy really sucks at sowing seed. Mm-hmm. But that was just the accepted practice then. Right. You know, so I wonder, like, a thousand years down the road, maybe someone's going to be like, well, what's a seed? You know, or something crazy like that. I just, I'm really interested to... To see because I don't know, but we we can still take things away from it, you know. Like it, the story still has value, even though we're not that first century here, we still can learn from it. Like, yeah, that's why like I'm not afraid of allegorization, you know, because mm-hmm. it just it brings the story to life in different ways. It makes you think in different ways. It's not it's not necessarily that you agree mm-hmm. with you know this crazy assumption you know that the story is making, but it's still like you're you're feeling this creative process that is just beyond yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what we've been talking about. Just it's multidimensional. I mean, obviously, with like you know scripture, we don't want to make the text say something that it's not saying. Yeah, we want to read scripture in light of scripture. We want to find the context of it. But right, right. Uh, Clayton, why are you here? To add my two cents. All right, we'll cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> just your two cents. That's all you got. Yep. 
Are you microphone shy? Very microphone shy. Are you really? Oh. Michael Keaton. Birdman, or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. What, what I liked about that movie, towards story, is that stories have power. And that your story, whether you like it or not, can have a lot of power over you. Mm-hmm. And so, he was forced into this story. This, this Birdman um, type cast, this type of, you know... Mm-hmm. story that he was appreciated of but then hated eventually mm-hmm. and so like him wrestling with that story I, I like that as he wrestled with his former story and trying to develop a new one he's they talked about he and his wife talked about like the different houses they had I mean obviously it is it's been very good for him the Birdman, but then he gets to this point where it becomes his identity, and he doesn't want his identity to be limited um, by exactly. this small story, right? right? What he what he uh, decides is a small story, and so then he goes off and tries to change his story, and then he's like haunted by the past. I mean, that's that's like a life of sin, right? It it is very good at the time, mm-hmm. but then as things start to hit you, and as you learn that this is your story that you've, you've made for yourself. Things develop. As things develop, yeah. Your identity sucks. Yeah. And, um, I mean, that's like the redemption of uh, of Christ is he gets to give you a new story, yeah. which it's like when he, at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, I guess. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so when he shoots himself in the face, he takes off his nose. And so because he doesn't have the same nose anymore... He doesn't see the old Birdman actor's face. And so he's literally recreated to a new person. Literally, figuratively, whatever. Um, he's he's figuratively remade into a new person because his physical appearance is not that of the Birdman anymore. And so he's free of the Birdman. And so he gets to make his own new story now. And he does it by shooting himself, metaphorically dying. I'm telling you, man, this is that's it. We call him up, call the Birdman producers up, and tell them we cracked it. We got the code. That's it. I'm with you. In that article that I linked you guys, mm-hmm. she talked about Augustine's um, his basically his autobiography. Confessions. Is it Confessions? Is that what yeah. it's called? Anyways, so the article was really cool at first because she said that the literature department and the theology department. Don't want anything to do with each other. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was at the very beginning. She said, which is not, you know, traditionally the case. She goes back to talking about how the, the Bible was the first book people had access to and so on and so forth. But she said this cool thing about Augustine's Confessions was that it's cited as one of the first autobiographies. And what he does is he goes back through his conversion story, like his, his from being born to his conversion, and reinterprets everything through the light of his now conversion. And so he sees basically that his whole life leading up to that point was a path to that point. Mm -hmm. And she talked about how it's human nature to see a series of events as having meaning. And it's apparently even biological. And And that the neurological aspect of why we search for meaning in story is also 
the same area of our brain that deals with religion. And so that even on a neurological level, we understand story and religion together. That's what's so great about the Gospels. Just yeah, you get to see the story of Christ pan out as a human, right? Mm-hmm. Like he suffered and endured, you know, similar things that we did. I mean, he has a perfect understanding of what we went, you know, what we go through day mm-hmm. to day. And once we start, you know, once we start realizing things, we're putting ourselves in his story and realizing that, you know, when we die to ourselves, we're recreated, you know, yeah. in this new image. And, uh, yeah, it's just phenomenal. It's why yeah. it's been talked about for so long. I was saying it's probably not a coincidence that Jesus spoke in parables, right? right? It's probably not also a coincidence that Gospels have survived because we could recreate the message of the Gospels just through the epistles. Mm-hmm. And and we often ha- do use the epistles to understand the Gospels better. And then even like first century patristic writings, um, like we can recreate the message of the Gospel through all of these, you know, countless epistles. Mm-hmm. But then also Mark does it in, what, 18 chapters? Mark 15. 15 chapters, right? 15 or 15. So he, he teaches, like, the whole message of the gospel in 15 chapters that it takes Acts through uh, Jude to process, and then also centuries and countless centuries of patristic writings to, to process the story of the gospel. Mm. And, and Mark does it in 15 chapters. What does, uh, so what does a story, what does story do for, like, the human condition? Like, what does it do? I think Sweet, Leonard Sweet was saying this, too, that the current summation of what we are is a coincidental, you know, series of energized strings or something. Yeah, yeah, the definition of matter being, you know, a... What a series of strings, yeah. We're, yeah. We're, yeah, we're made up of, of strings and series yeah. of vibrating a energy. Vibrating energy. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. 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 And so yeah, connecting it to string theory and how we're essentially a stringed instrument and Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. That was and how our story, uh, this is my story, this is my song, you know, like Yeah. All our stories are songs and they should be sung to the glory of God. Yes. Which which is like what we believe is the true nature of it, right? Mm-hmm. But I think the opposite of that is just looking at the, you know, series of strange thing and saying, because this is what it is, it's inconsequential. And so I think the power of story is that it gives us a chance to put meaning and consequence to, to the things that happen, you know? I, I was thinking on the way over that um, basically there's two ways to, and it's so interesting that you played that section, because this thing about that kind of stuff. I think there's two ways to look at the universe. The first is that we're made up of, you know, molecules, which is made up of vibrating strings, you know, when you go so many degrees down. So, like, we can look at the universe that way and say that is either the ends, like, we have reached the conclusion of what all of the universe is. That's that's the answer to all of our questions is this is it. And so if that's the answer, then everything is inconsequential. You know, we're just a series of, events happening in the universe without any purpose or we can look at that as a means to an end um this is this is the tools that god used to create the universe to tell stories so when i think of story the first thing 
that comes to my mind is has to do with this notion of truth that you're kind of talking about. Um, we like to tell ourselves truth. Like, we want to be on the side of truth. But truth can be told through a variety of different stories. So what, what they do is that they give us an opportunity to reflect on the past and that we, that we can live out those truths for today with. And so story, language, whatever, has to do with the truth that existed in the past being brought forth into the present. And we live, I mean, we relive that truth out at over and over, recapitulating throughout the centuries or, or, or decades or whatever that story, as long as that story has truth in it, then that story can be relived. Mm -hmm. And so, like, when I look at the non-truth stories, like, that claim to be true, like, the reason why they survived is because they do hold on, they have a certain amount of um, truth in them that can be recapitulated. But eventually those stories either fall out because of these personal um, ties or whatever. And so, anyway, so the... The Christ story hits at all the levels of truth that exist. And so, like, for me, it's never going to go away, even on just a fundamental storytelling aspect. It's never going to go away, regardless if it is or isn't the truth. It just hits. And this is what I think, uh, er, uh, what's his name, Bart Ehrman? Ehrman, yeah. I think, I think he's the one. Who says, like, he recognizes that, too. That, that this Jesus story hits at our human condition in such a way that he has been thrown up on the on the wheel of time. And he'll never come down. Because it's the first story that hits at, at all the different aspects. And it will be continuously hitting on those truth aspects. Mm -hmm. right? and, and, like, of course, we look at that and we're like... It's intentional. It's intentional. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 intentional, and it is the truth. Like he is, mm -hmm. he is the truth, and so of course, you know this is gonna happen. This is this is a consequence, because mm -hmm. consequence and necessity will always run parallel to each other, because they're they're just they have to like mm -hmm. truth and con consequence of truth will always parallel each other. Yeah. That's how you look at it. So like. Bart Ehrman would propose that an essential truth to, uh, or an essential characteristic of Jesus' story is that it's well told, or it is a good story, right? Yes. Yes. But then a consequential truth is that it becomes a religion, mm -hmm. right? And we would say that an essential truth, or an essential characteristic, is that it is truth, mm -hmm. and a consequential thing is that the story itself is 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 good enough that it's going to stick around. Yeah. Yeah. And then, okay, so then story, story allows us to live out truth, okay? Okay. Mm -hmm. When we use story, we like to place heroes in it. And these heroes embody something. They embody the truth that we, we want to uh, ascribe to. And so what I love about story is that these heroes that embody the truths Good or bad truths, like, you know, like we can talk about David and 
or Moses and their, and their mm-hmm. you know, faults. But um, or like Thor and Loki. I was just about to connect hey, Norse mythology, hey, man. man. <laughs> and so we we get these heroes, and so they they live out the story, right? And then we in turn we emulate them, and that's what I love about Jesus is because he's lived the life. He's the life, obviously. Mm-hmm. John fourteen, but the word, um, the truth, and the life. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. Okay. um, but yeah, as the king. As our hero, he has lived the life for us, and we get to participate in that. Like, he invites us to participate, mm-hmm. whether other heroes don't necessarily even do that. Mm-hmm. They simply live the life, and we try to embody them without being asked or even told. We just do it. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus actually invites us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so then, like, I imagine, like, if David lived today, and then, you know, he's this big. I, like international icon, right? And then he gets involved in this whole scandal. I, I can just hear him saying something like, "Well, I never asked for people to look up to me. You know, like I never asked to be the the hero. The hero. Yeah. I never asked to be the hero, but Jesus did. That's cool. Yeah, I guess uh, another reason why I love stories so much is uh, how it connects each one of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, even from the beginning of time, you know, we can we can trace trace a story back, and and see how things work together then, and how things are woven together, um, and then we realize as we go through this life that like people have different aspects in their stories that resonate, you know, in different ways with other people, which connects them in you know this deeper relationship, mm-hmm. and so it's like almost like stories almost restore us to. The Imago Day, if you want to mm-hmm. put it that way, like, or just to the condition that we were first created in. They're they're so interwoven and so interconnected, but you can't know that until you know people share their stories. Mm-hmm. So that's why I love them so much. I feel like they're vitally important to just make connections, <laughs> build relationships. So what I like about trying to connect my biology to Christianity is that that as we evolved and began to exhibit more of the Imago Dei qualities, um, something I've been toying with is what what is those Imago Dei qualities? Um, what makes us unique versus the other Nefesh Kaiawa, like the other other living creatures? Mm-hmm. I think begins with two things like we began to set or you know sit around a fire and we began to do something mm-hmm. and we began to one we began to cook meals mm-hmm. I think that's one of the fundamental things that make us different from other living creatures is we we cook our food and that allows for like a biological advantage that we don't have to spend our time uh, digesting our food, allowing our, our allowing our populations to have a lot more free time, mm-hmm. and around that free time, we get to sit around the fire, and we begin telling stories, and we begin reflecting on things, and those things are, I think, primarily the number one thing was death that we are sitting around because we've just killed something, 
and now we're reflecting on our other members that are no longer with us and what their life meant towards us. Like, what did they embody that they're no longer with us? And so we're reflecting on one another, we're reflecting on our situation, and we got to put those truths into some type of form, and mm-hmm. therefore story evolves into something. So there's this uh, Netflix documentary called Cooked. It's like a four-part series, and it actually looks at anthropology through food. And the first episode is, is uh, about fire, and that's exactly what he said. Really? Anthropological. Really? I've never seen See, it. I thought we talked about it. I thought maybe you talked about it. Maybe that's why but, it's in um, my head. He said, anthropologically speaking, the difference between humans and other animals is not that we don't that we use tools because many animals actually use tools. Mm-hmm. It's that we cook our food because exactly that, like the energy that we save by cooking our food by letting something else essentially do the work for us, the less energy that our body uses to digest it, the more energy can go to brain functioning. I'm going to go watch this now. I mean, that's like, you hit those points exactly. I mean, that's exactly it. And so then, I think a cool thing to think about is when we're gathering around these fires to cook our food to survive, is storytelling an essential aspect of our humanity or a consequential aspect of our humanity? Okay. Right? So, so if you looked anthropologically and took the, the predisposition that there's no God, and that we look at a historical or a history of events and, and establish, you know, why things are today, then I think you would say when humans gathered around the fires, we had to do something. And so we told stories. You know, you're talking about Norse mythology. Like that's Norse mythology is fireside storytelling, pure and simple, which I don't know if you know Neil Gaiman. He's a author. He wrote American Gods, Neverwhere. He wrote Coraline. Oh, wrote okay. Sandman. If you ever, yeah, mm-hmm. amazing, phenomenal author. He's got a book coming out soon, which where he is actually compiling North mytho- Norse mythology and telling it in a narrative style. I'm super excited. Hmm. One of my favorite authors. Anyways, but that's like what Norse mythology is: is people gathering around the fire trying to make sense of the world and and reconciling it with what they feel inside, which we would say is the the imago day, like you're saying, or the God shaped hole in your heart. And we, we have things around us, and we have to rationalize the things around us to what's built into our DNA, this image of God that's built into our DNA. And so then we create mythologies. People create mythologies. And that's always been my understanding of, of different mythologies, is that it's people trying to rationalize the world with this God-sized hole in their heart, and they're built in image of God. Yeah. It's something that we we talked about a lot. I'm going to throw that out there again. Is uh, the table. Eating a, eating a meal around the table, sharing mm-hmm. you know, community with each other. That's what I want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. And then Go ahead. He, he brought Which is in, essentially the, 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 the fireside. fireside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is like our modern day fireside. This is, this is where, yeah. <laughs> but uh, he talked about... Podcasting. <laughs> talking about a story. The he, fireside. The fireside. Oh, hey. hey. There's a good name. I like it. That's cool. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, okay, so what he was talking about was uh, in Jewish tradition, they would come around the table to share a meal together, and the head of the household is the father, right? Mm-hmm. And he's the one that would present the story at table. He would he would to teach his children mm-hmm. around, around the table, mm-hmm. um, share the, the story of 
teaching. Teaching, yeah. yeah. And yeah, yeah, I mean, you can branch off that. I mean, that's just kind of what he was talking about. But I mean, it's super, super relevant to why stories are important. And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> and we were talking about fable Jewish tradition. The father would teach. Yes, he would teach. So, stories have levels of, I don't know what to say, um, societal structure, I don't know. So we got, we got family, got family stories, right? The next level, we got community stories, and then we go all the way like up. Social into, levels. Yeah, social level, there we go. And then we got nationalistic nation stories. And these stories, at every level, have different, what's called, uh, paradigmatic, paradigmatic events, where these hero-type stories are being retold at each level. So we have, you know, family, family stories being retold and retold and retold. Mm-hmm. And that produces an identity. Next level, this community is retelling this story that mm-hmm. happened a few... Ten years ago, a hundred mm-hmm. years ago. And then we have these na- nation stories, story of Israel, um, America. You know, we're living out this story together. Mm-hmm. And if you're not reliving out this story, then are you a part of us? Mm. Like, are you American? Are you Christian? Like, are you really living this story out? And so, these stories have a societal bond that we connect to one another. And I find that re- amazing. I find that so important. Like, because a story creates a culture, right? Mm-hmm. Like a familial culture, a communal it culture. An identity, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So the story is almost like a symbol in itself, you know? Like what Clayton was saying earlier is you get to relive, we get to relive stories when we read them and we get to, like, identify with the character in the story. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, what I just think is really cool is that. You know, just this whole subject is so rich that if I could break down what each of us are really excited about story about and simplify it and maybe tweak a little bit so that it fits like a sermon series. JJ, you're excited about story because it helps us relate better to other people. I'm excited about story because I think it helps us relate better to God and God relate better to us. And you're excited about story because it helps you relate better to like ourselves. Mm. That's redemption, you know? like a trinitarian mindset almost. yeah yeah no but i i just think that's that's so cool and that's that's like that's how you know something has value and something is is truth and has rich like depth about it is when like the three of us can sit down and we've got different concept contexts different backgrounds but we all like went to school together and we all have the same set of beliefs but you know this this idea of story hits us each differently and like excites us each in different ways well what i thought would be really cool is to figure out what we do for the next week's podcast what i think we could do is each week we each come with an idea that we want to talk about the next week Mm -hmm. and then we'll do some way of figuring out who uh wins that we if they talk about that subject next week and so you know obviously this is the first week we didn't. Hard, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like say say if we agree on a topic now for next week, next week we'll each come with our own idea of what the next topic should be. And so like say I, I want to talk about our story as part of Israel's story. 
and so then we'll do some game or like roll a die or well something right yeah okay yeah um to figure out who wins for the next week so if you will say what each of our potential idea is and then whoever wins then the next week you know we'll have to give us all something to, to chew on mm-hmm. say like you know like a little article or something like nothing big because we don't need a lot to prompt our conversation so yeah um i like the birdman conversation the what the birdman conversation oh yeah that's what i found kind of uh riffing there um so the primary way that our culture tells stories is through movies mm-hmm. and so i think it would be cool just to spend a little bit just like what we did going over a movie that might give us some moment yeah give us some like start the podcast with a movie yeah conversation tied into the subject yeah so then if we if we came with a subject so yeah that's good so if we came with a subject um we would have to have a movie too and like we wouldn't necessarily have to say it but like at some point before the next time we met you know here's a movie i think that we should talk about it'd probably be best if it's one we've all seen that way we don't have to yeah that'd be pretty hard. take time to think about that part or i mean we, we can watch a movie you know like you can at least get bits of a movie. You know what I'm saying? Just like something to chew on. Hmm. So that'd be cool. So we talked about a, we open up with a movie, uh, or at least be able to explain the plot well enough yeah. to the others. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So then let's do that. Let's um, come with a theme to talk about for the following week, and then how that theme is played out in a cultural setting. And it could be like a storytelling device, or it could be a specific story, or anything, right? Okay. Anything that's remotely story related, okay. and so then we could do it to whoever won the week before. So whoever's week it is also decides on how the next week is going to be picked. So like, Gosh. roll. I know it sounds like very complicated, but it's it's going to be like you know we're going to roll a die or we're going to whatever. But just you know little little things for people to be like oh like you're in the room with us like and we rolled a die well, anyways, <laughs> which that doesn't have to be. Uh, that doesn't have to be like anything special. Like it could be. The other thing is, if your subject doesn't get picked, you have to keep it for the next week, which would be good because if you're always not getting there. picked, you always have a subject, and then also like, it it's less work you have to do outside of the right. podcast. And probably if someone gets picked randomly like two or three times in a row, we'll we'll sway the yeah. odds or something. Yeah, for sure. And then also, I think that would add continuity to all the podcasts, like. You know, someone's listening and they're like, "Man, I really like JJ's idea. I want to wait until I want to finally listen to JJ's idea episode because I think that's going to be really good." And so it's like, oh, "No, we don't get it this week." And I mean, like, I feel like we could build up like a listener base and like a continuity between episodes. Stay tuned. Stay tuned mm-hmm. for yeah. <laughs> Next well, time on Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> oh, <dude. laughs> Goku is still charging his, his <laughs> spear it's bomb. Over nine thousand. <laughs> Jim, just go ahead and take that. Just no, take leave that, that Jim. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been it's been real, and it's been fun, and I'd say it's been real fun. Is that our sign out? I mean, it's been I like it like real fun, but yeah. Uh, so did we ever like it, tell who we are? They can figure it out. They can figure it out. I'm Houston. I'm Clayton. I'm Jeremiah, but Houston's been referring to me as JJ. Yeah, that's how you're introduced to me. Which is cool. I'm a purist. 
J or JJ or I'm not a pure that sounds that sounds bad. Reintroduce yourself so I can cut out the part where I say that I'm a purist. <laughs> Houston's a purist. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> yeah. So we're reintroducing ourselves? No, it's not. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. So, I, I listen to a lot of Catholic podcasts. Sure. And I definitely appreciate trying to get to the point. Because they, the one, specifically the one I'm thinking of, they talk for like 15 minutes before they get into their subject. Yes. And these yeah. suckers are like, you know, 50 minutes, you know? And, yeah. But really, it's only like 30 minutes. So pretty much every episode from here on out has been like, Welcome to the Fireside Podcast. All right, let's get back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that name though. Fire, the fireside. Oh fireside. Podcast. That's good, Clayton. You came up with it. You said the fireside. You brought it in. Oh, well, I guess I. You brought it into our culture. You brought it. <laughs> <laughs> you set it on the table, so to speak. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I think that's really cool. The fireside podcast. It'd be really cool is if we could figure out how to record next to a fire. No, just, we'll just we'll just put some crackling fire. Yeah, I'm sure there's some crackling. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then it'll be like you know yeah. five years down the road, it'll be like a sneak peek into how we do things, and it's like there's no fire, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a figurative fire. <laughs> JJ, can you explain to us the the allegorization of fire? Go. Well, next episode. Next episode. <laughs> Dude, I'm ready. I'm like, yeah, fire. yeah, purity purifies heat and light. Mm. Mm. It's not allegorizing it, though. That's so while it, it itself is chaos, it somehow protects us from the dark. Mm. Which, that that's how we end. We should end every episode with some quote or uh, like a psalm or a hymn or, or something. Or a prayer, like an old prayer. Or a song. Or a song. JJ, you would have to basically All right, that's fine. take that part over. <laughs> <laughs> We will mute mine and Clayton's mics. <laughs> um, mine, at least. Anyways, C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christianity like I believe in the sun. Mm. Not because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Mm. That's, That's we, so true. Yeah. That's it's, I'm like, it's just radically shapes how you see things. Mm-hmm. As it should. It is the source of light. Not something light is shed upon, right? Mm-hmm. It's the lens in which you see the world. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Well, join us next week for episode two of the fireside. Of the fireside. Mm-hmm.